Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Good morning, cheers, Monday the 2nd of March. You're listening to Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. Coming up, Boris Johnson will chair a meeting of the government's emergency COBRA committee today after the number of UK coronaviruses jumped to 36, a rise of more than 50% in a day. Senior ministers and health advisers will be told that the virus will present a significant challenge. I'll find out how it might affect your travel plans and later I'll speak to former Health Secretary Alan Johnson. And Brexit trade talks start between the UK and the EU today and also between the UK and the United States. Well, up next, I'll be joined by the International National Trade Secretary Liz Truss. Also across live to the Greek island of Samos as Turkey opens its western border, allowing thousands of Syrian and other Middle Eastern refugees to try to cross into Greece. And Chancellor Rishi Sunak is to cut capital gains tax relief for entrepreneurs. And those selling a business will now face 20% tax instead of the current 10%. So will this actually discourage entrepreneurship? Or is it a uh, little tax benefit that he should close? Well, I'll be joined after 8.30 by former Director General of the CBI, Lord Digby Jones. Plus, later, I'll speak to the President of British naturism to find out why nudists want legal protection for their right not to wear clothes. Uh, The time is coming up to six minutes past eight o'clock. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Well, good morning to you. Pleasure to have your company this morning. Uh, Joining me uh, this morning, Matt Kilcoyne from the Adam Smith Institute and Sue Atkins, former deputy head teacher and parenting author. We'll get your thoughts on more stories throughout the next hour. Uh, First up, though, let's turn our attention uh, to huge big developments on Brexit today. Yeah, while we've all been focused on coronavirus and uh, battles at the Home Office, uh, the bid to get trade deals, not just with the EU, but with the United States, uh, begin this morning. Although Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, has been warned he faces a big choice between following EU or US standards, particularly on food, uh, as the government has finally revealed what it plans to get from talks with Donald Trump. Well, let's talk about all of this with the 
the International Trade Secretary, Liz Truss, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Um, well, we, we've, we've seen this uh, published late last night, what you're hoping to get from the trade talks with the United States. So, and what is it? Well, what we want to get is a great deal for businesses and consumers right across Britain. So we want to see tariffs reduced. We want to see it easier for small businesses in particular to export to the US. And we also want better prices for UK consumers by cutting tariffs on goods coming in from the United States. There's also a huge opportunity for a better deal on data and digital. And our assessment suggests that we could expand trade by £15 billion, get a £1.8 billion increase in wages for British workers and boost every single part of the country, particularly the Midlands, the North East and Scotland. Um, there's been a lot of concern that we don't really have the uh, ability, the, 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 the brandwidth in government or indeed the personnel to conduct high level trade talks with both the EU and the US. Uh, obviously, you think we do uh, have that ability. Is the idea to play both sides off against each other? Well, we have a world class negotiating team. We've got Crawford Faulkner, who we recruited from New Zealand. We've got a team now as large as the US trade representative, which is known to be one of the best trade negotiators in the world. Our team are ready to go. They're planning to fly out to the US later this month to commence the first round. We've also got an excellent team led by David Frost for Task Force Europe. And the fact is that the UK market is a market that all countries are keen to export to. Uh, we've been part of the customs union or the part of the EU for almost 50 years. There's a huge opportunity. And of course, Many countries, whether it's the US, Japan, uh, the EU, want to have good trade relations with us. Well, indeed. And we, we know that the French Europe minister yesterday was on Mar and she was talking about how these uh, trade talks could turn nasty. But um, I can't see any reason why uh, trade talks do need to turn nasty, given especially we already have regulatory alignment with uh, the EU. But it is in the interests of all sides that there are there is a free trade deal, is it not? I mean, it is it's certainly in the interests of us as voters, us as consumers, that we don't face tariffs. We were just discussing with my guests that everyone seems to think that tariffs are just something that, that affects businesses, that they are taxes that are paid for by consumers. Absolutely. And they're also hold business back. So take an example of the potteries in Stoke-on-Trent. They currently face a 28% tariff to export their dinner plates to the United States. If we can get that tariff removed, that means they can employ more people. It means they can expand their business. And that is true for businesses right across this country, whether they're manufacturing cars for export to the United States, whether it's dairy products, whether it's people wanting to sell their digital services. So getting rid of those barriers is going to help us with jobs and growth. And also, you're right, Julia, it will help British consumers get cheaper you know, wine from America or other products that they might want to enjoy. Um, and uh, how soon do you think you can wrap up a trade deal with the United States? Because we're constantly told trade deals take years and years and years. Often it seems to take years and years and years if the EU were involved. But we've got a deadline for the 31st of December. We're told even by June the Prime Minister would be willing to walk away if there isn't proper uh, actual uh, developments uh, in progress being made. Um, how soon do you expect to be able to tie up a deal with the United States? Well, I'm not going to put a deadline on it, but both sides are very committed to this negotiation. We're putting all of our best people on it. We are starting the talks towards the end of this month and I hope we can make rapid progress. And as you rightly point out, the US have been historically quicker 
than the EU in terms of moving forward with negotiations. We've already had a lot of preliminary discussions, so I hope we can make rapid progress. Not concerned, though. Also, President Trump has a habit of just slapping uh, tariffs here and there. He did it with the Chinese. He did it on a lot of the French luxury goods, uh, just to sort of make a point about other policies and other deals he's not happy with. Are you not concerned that actually he's a rather difficult person to negotiate with and could be rather unpredictable? Well, I don't approve of this tit-for-tat tariffs, and I have vociferously argued with the United States about the retaliatory tariffs they've placed on our whiskey. But my view is the best way of dealing that is to get into negotiations with the US, come to an agreement so that we can drop tariffs on both sides to the benefit of people in both countries. OK, well, let's also talk about well, the other big story, well, the biggest story at the moment for many people, the coronavirus uh, spreading now uh, up uh, by 50% the number of cases uh, in, one, in one day yesterday to 36. Big concerns that we've seen these big spikes in Italy, in France, and of course other countries around the world outside China, South Korea and Iran. Uh, there could well be not just a major economic impact on international trade result of coronavirus, but could also presumably affect the ability of your trade negotiations to, to actually travel to hold those talks. Well, we are obviously keeping very up to date with the latest developments. The Prime Minister is chairing ACOBRA today. Our number one priority is protecting the UK population to make sure that everybody is taking the proper preparations that we're giving the public the best possible advice. And of course, you know, there may need to be changes and there already have been changes in travel plans as a result of that. Uh, we will do, uh, we will use every means to uh, conduct our trade work and our trade negotiations. And we are actively monitoring how we can adjust that in the light of the coronavirus But, but there's situation. no doubt there will be a trade-off and every government has to make this trade-off and China's had to do it and Italy and France, everyone else, when the US as well. There comes a point when you have to make a trade-off between risk to public health uh, and risk to the economy. Where does that balance lie? Well, the Prime Minister's been very clear that his number one priority is dealing with coronavirus and public health takes the priority. And I think that is absolutely right. That's what the public would expect. Of course, within those constraints, we will uh, work to move our economy forward. And one of the key opportunities that we've been talking about is this US trade deal. OK, well, let's uh, come back to another big story over the weekend. Um, Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, is accused of being a bully uh, by Sir Philip Rutnam, who's resigned in a rather dramatic fashion on Saturday lunchtime, uh, calling the cameras to his home to make a statement, saying he's not going to go quietly, not taking a payoff, uh, accusing her of vicious uh, you know, personal uh, accusations uh, against him. Um, is Priti Patel a bully? Priti Patel, in my view, is a fantastic minister, who is doing and delivering what the public want in terms of improved numbers of police officers, the points-based immigration system, which has huge public support across our country. She's got a tough job. She's very professional in the way she deals with people. I've always found her an excellent colleague to work with, and I'm very confident in her doing her job. Is she a bully? I don't believe that's the case at all. I, she's very professional in all of the dealings I've had with her.
Um, there have been concerns that, that uh, she has been facing not just racism, but sexism as well in the way that she's being treated by the media and treated by many uh, opposition benches uh, as being a, a difficult woman. You've, you've faced a little bit of this over the years. Any woman who perhaps uh, is seen as, should we say, strident, and who knows, I may have faced some of this too, is perhaps <laughs> judged rather more harshly than a man doing exactly the same thing, saying exactly the same thing in exactly the same way. Well, I think you can see when Pretty goes out in public, the massive support she has with the public because people like straight-talking politicians who believe in things, who get things done. And that is very much the type of politician Pretty is. And, of course, the more you're out there being clear about what your opinions are, even if it doesn't fit with some other people's uh, view of the world, the more you are going to get attacked. But Pretty is somebody who's resilient to those attacks. She gets on with the job and she gets the job done. And how much resistance is there within the civil service, whether it's Home Office or whether it's your own department, to what's happening in terms of e uh, the EU and leaving and Brexit and the like? It does seem to me that uh, the, the briefing against ministers, such as it does exist, seems to be entirely against leave supporting ministers rather than those who supported Remain. We do have a very professional civil service in this country and I've just been talking about our high quality trade negotiators led by Crawford Faulkner, you know, one of the best in the world. We recruited him from New Zealand. We've got some fantastic people in the civil service. But of course, we need to make sure that the whole government is working together to deliver for the public. I don't want to go into issues because there's a pending court case uh, in the case of the Home Office, but broadly speaking, I think we do have an excellent civil service okay. who deliver. And just finally, have you offered your personal congratulations to the Prime Minister on his impending marriage and uh, yet another child? I, I certainly have. It's very happy news and we're all delighted. OK, thank you very much indeed for joining us. International Trade Secretary Liz Truss. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk about uh, uh, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor. He, uh, next week, is going to announce his first budget. It's going ahead despite the fact that Sajid Javid uh, re resigned as Chancellor. Of course, Rishi Sunak, already Chief Secretary of the Treasury, very much involved in those preparations. Uh, but uh, we've uh, seen over the weekend uh, Sajid Javid talking about the budget that almost was, the budget he would have wanted to do, including a 2p cut in the basic rate of income tax and preparations for further cuts. Uh, and it's a big tax-cutting budget that many uh, on the Tory side would have liked. On the contrary, what we're hearing from Rishi Sunak. Again, very difficult to judge whether these are what is are in the plans. He's looking at uh, cutting capital gains tax relief for entrepreneurs, so a tax rise uh, for entrepreneurs. So if you set up a business and then you sell your business, you're now facing 20% tax on it instead of the current 10%. Well, let's talk about this with Lord Jones, Digby Jones as well, as former Director General of the CBI. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good morning. Julia. Now, lots of talk over the weekend that, oh, this is a terrible, very untory, this tax. This is going to raise some three billion for the uh, uh, the Treasury, but it, it goes against everything we should be doing in post-Brexit Britain, encouraging entrepreneurs and the like. But realistically, uh, does that 10% difference in, uh, in percentage point difference in uh, tax, does that make any difference to whether someone does or does not try and set up their own business? I think it doesn't stop people setting up their own business, but I do think it stops people in the dynamism of building something, knowing they can keep more of it, moving on and doing it again, keeping more of it and investing again. And possibly, because they, if they make some money, investing in other people's businesses too, so they stimulate more. So it's not about, does it stop you setting up? 
Yeah. But I think it do, it does dec- uh, uh, discourage people from creating dynamism in the building and growing a business. Except what I would do... Yeah, no, can I just say yeah. that? But it, am I not right in thinking that you also are entitled to this if you just sort of you're a director and you own five percent of the business? You didn't set it up, but you're also entitled when you sell those those shares to, to get that. When actually you haven't really done anything to to actually uh, make well, that business uh, hang, happen. Hang on, that's not what that's not what the rule says. I mean, I'm a chairman of um, half a dozen businesses, and I've got shares in a few of them. And I don't get any entrepreneurs relief in any of them because okay. I'm non-executive. No, no, no. If you're non-executive director and you're doing a good job as a, a non-executive, but you're not in there every day, you didn't take the initial risk and all of that, no, you don't get it. So um, it's, it's, it is specifically for what it says. It's an entrepreneur, okay. someone right, who risks their money. But the one I would do, you see, is uh, I don't understand why politicians always have to be black and white and why they don't deal with a bit of grey in these things. Because um, w- what we want to do is stimulate that at the bottom end. So why don't we lift the limits at which... Um, it clicks in. So, for instance, if you make the, first, I think it's the first ten million at the moment you make, you get it at ten yeah. percent, not twenty. But why, why don't we bring that down? Bring it down to say five or six. So, in other words, exactly what I've just said. Trying to stimulate lots of people taking risk. By the way, an awful lot fail than win, but we never talk about those. Yes. Nevertheless, you know, take, take, getting getting lots of young, especially young people you know thinking yeah i can do this and i'll do it again and again and i'll invest in my mates and all that stuff that's what we want so i would actually raise more money for the exchequer by bringing the limit down from 10 to say five similarly with the income tax cut that you referred to just now we've got to get more lower paid people out of paying tax we've got to get people especially in the north of england to say thank you for keeping marxism out of britain Here's your reward. Here is more money in your pocket. And the way to do it, in my view, would be that we say to the really high earners, I don't mean anybody who Corbyn thought was earning money such as a deputy head teacher in in your studio. I mean people who are big, big half million a year earners. And we put 5p on the pound more to them. They're not going to leave the country for that. They will not. And that money specifically to go to help people on the low end, especially in the north, uh, uh, keeping more money in their pocket. And that would be a great way of saying thank you to the people who made sure that Corbyn didn't get into Prime Minister. OK, um, let's also talk about the economic risk we're facing right now uh, with coronavirus. Cause we were talking with the you know, health experts earlier in the show and, and regularly that, you know, there is this trade-off, isn't there? Public health versus economic collapse. We've seen this massive slowdown in the Chinese economy. That's going to have an impact on, our, on, on the price of our imports. We've already seen, you know, some shortages in the shops. People are beginning to get, I think, understandably worried with the spread of the virus. Um, where, where do you think that trade off lines because we you know we could cut the spread of the coronavirus by just sort of shutting down society uh, for the next two weeks but there will be a knock-on effect of that and you probably wouldn't actually win in cutting it down and uh, you'd win in the short term but it would incubate and it would be around and at some point at some point someone's got to um, coalesce and get together be it a football match or a business meeting so i'm, I'm i think you're you're right that it would it for a fortnight or so. I'm not too sure it would win in the long term. But, but I think the, the, the long term issue is that we've got this country that has fabulously raised 600 million people out of poverty in 20 years. What an amazing achievement. Has, amazed, has developed companies such as Huawei. I'm not going into the political side of life, but in the technical side of life, it's an amazingly technologically advanced company. And yet China can do all that. It can be integrated into the global economy. It can be 
be the workshop of the world for so many countries. And yet, its public health is appalling. And especially as you go further west in China, frankly, in some places, it's almost medieval. Now, that China has got to step up to the plate and say this will never happen again. We want to take our proper, deserved place in the global economy. We want to be respected for what we are good and on, in, that, in return, we're going to sort this out. Now, that's the long term. In the short term, I think we have just got to um, do what Britain does very well, actually. We're good in a crisis. Mm. And we, what, we should do, what we should do is get on with our lives, ensure that you're not stupid, ensure that if people don't go to Iran or Italy or whatever, you know, make sure that the, you, you do the obvious. But if we start saying to businesses, sorry, you're not going to um, uh, uh, trade, or we say to society, sorry, schools are going to close or whatever, at the end of the day, um, Britain will grind to a halt, and your point is very well made. We then won't make the money, we won't pay the tax, and we won't be able to pay for the NHS, which we need yeah, to deal with the crisis. It's a small point so worth I, making. Yes, we, we do actually need the economic trade to continue. Let's also talk about see, the trade deals. We spoke to Liz Truss, the International Trade Secretary, a bit earlier. Um, we are having a concurrently a trade deal talks with the US and with the EU. How hopeful are yeah. you that we are going to come to a reasonable trade deal with both? Uh, extremely. I'm, 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 it's not just that, as you know, Julia, I am an optimist, but I... But I, I know, I always uh, feel the, very the, happy when I finish talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind. Um, the, the, the one, you're, why Europe will happen is we have got two things going on our side. We've got some things that they want. And secondly, we've got a government that's going to say, and if you don't want to play ball, don't bully us, we're out of here. Yes. So at last, we've got something that we can trade with um, I have in mind fishing. I have in mind the fact that they don't want us to be a, a low-regulation, low-tax rival just off, off France. Uh, by the way, I can see nothing wrong in being a low-regulation, low-tax environment, frankly, but, but I do understand how they might, uh, Brussels might not like it. So we've got things we can deal with, and we can dictate more of the pace and be tougher in what we do and not have the bullying that Brussels did before. I, 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 don't, I don't want to bring it back to coronavirus and the Brussels idea, but to be fair to them, they will, they will whether you are in Paris or Berlin, in, in Roma or Madrid or indeed London, you're going to have your mind trying to stop your populations going down with a, a dreadful disease a little bit more than doing a trade deal. So I can see why the eye might go off the ball a bit, and I can see why we need and they need to keep us more focused in it. What will be good will be that because the press and the media will concentrate a lot on coronavirus over the next two or three weeks, it might be that the press will stop being alarmist and and black and white about the trade deal in the early days when the nuances are all about the subtlety of trying to get there. As far as America's concerned, that's, I think, more tricky because I think um, Trump is not a popular person in Britain or indeed the world. And I'm not saying he's not good or bad. I'm not going there. But in terms of public perception, popularity, he's not. And therefore, every single thing that Britain gives, which you will give in a trade deal in both directions, you will. I mean, that's negotiation. Well, well, everyone it gives, it'll be, oh, you're giving in to Trump. Oh, this is dreadful. And, and that will be wrong, by the way, but it'll be what's said. And so I think the, the optics of the American trade deal will be tricky. I think the reality of the American trade deal, our biggest trading partner, our biggest inward investor, more Americans go to work for companies based in Britain than any other country in the world. We are already joined at the hip in many ways. And remember the guarantor of our security. Okay. I, think, I think America 
will uh, be a trickier thing in public, but probably quite easy in private. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Know your times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, let's get straight to, to the issue of the coronavirus and let's talk now to John Ashworth, who is a Labour MP, of course, uh, and Shadow uh, Health Secretary. He joins us now. Good morning to you, John. Morning. Um, are you concerned that the government isn't doing enough yet to tackle the coronavirus? We've only got the very first COBRA meeting about this, chaired by the Prime Minister today. Is enough being done soon enough? Well, indeed. I mean, this is the first COBRA meeting that Boris Johnson will have attended on the on the coronavirus. Look, look my thoughts are obviously with all those who have contracted the virus and, and I pay tribute to the NHS staff and Public Health England staff who are working ex- exceptionally hard. As it happens, I've been broadly supportive of the government's attempts to contain and delay the spread of the virus. Uh, but I think now, as things are clearly becoming more serious, there are legitimate questions about whether, for example, the NHS can cope. You know, we know that it's had 10 years of cutbacks, it's lost 17,000 beds, it's short of staff, whether it's got the resources to cope to get us through this episode, and also what the what we're doing in uh, with broader public services, because clearly this is going to affect all aspects of life now. So we're looking for the government to give us those reassurances in the next couple of days. Well, indeed, as we've discussed before, we do, you know, we do have a massive shortage of staff. We also have a massive overoccupation of beds in our in our acute wards uh, compared with any other Western European nation with, uh, with similar health services. And that is going to be an issue when it comes to tackling this. If we do, we've got 36 cases now, not all very severe. We know, you know, about eight of those have already left hospital and are going to be fine. But if we do see the widespread transmission which Public Health England's uh, medical director is, is uh, preparing for today and warning us of, uh, we could see huge numbers of people needing critical care and we simply do not have those beds. That's absolutely right. So, for example, the critical care beds were running at 80% occupancy last week. So this is before the, the coronavirus has hit uh, in big numbers that you know so we're going to the NHS is probably going to have to make some very big decisions about you know for example does it decide to cancel all elective operations to prior, to prioritize dealing with coronavirus but 
all these different trade-offs, all these different life-changing decisions that the NHS is now confronted with also have financial implications, which is why one of the reasons I'm pressing the government for some emergency funding. But again, of course, we also know that there's only a certain number of staff to go around. We would be looking at that point. It's the routine operations that get cancelled. We've seen that before with flu epidemics. Um, but do you think enough people are taking this seriously? Sometimes the papers are talking about panic. Uh, I, I don't I don't see any evidence of panic. I mean, people buying hand sanitizer isn't panic. That's just a sensible precaution. seems to me people are still travelling by public transport and going about their daily business. Perhaps people aren't like me going, yeah, maybe I'll put off put, you know, booking that for an holiday or indeed any holiday to see what happens. But realistically, we are going to see a widespread uh, infection. Um, do you think there is more that can be done by the public or by the government to try to contain this virus? Well, I mean, it's, it's both. But I always think that the great British public always show exceptional common sense and we always pull together. And I'm confident we'll do that again. But we need to we need to and we need to follow common sense uh, uh, public health advice. We need to wash our hands properly. We need to sneeze into our, uh, you know, into into our arm and not sort of <laughs> and yeah. if we sneeze into a tissue we chuck it away people actually also on, on the point about washing hands what is actually people really it sounds people are surprised at this or perhaps don't realize but you know to wash your hands properly you have to do it for about 20 seconds and you have to really sort of scrub different bits you know and and all the rest of it people don't necessarily know how to wash their hands yeah, a quick rinse under a cold tap isn't really going to do it <laughs> exactly well, so well, follow that, the advice yeah i mean that's the key thing isn't it and in terms of if we do end up uh, uh, you know having to do having quarantine We've, much easier perhaps in a totalitarian police state like China than to do it uh, in a free a civil society like the UK. But do you think that, that we have the resources, the facilities to establish quarantine zones if that's what's necessary? Well, it's clearly very drastic, isn't it? And we, we'll be looking for... Uh confirmation from government exactly what their plans are but there's also something else which hasn't really been considered yet so far by the government as far as I'm aware which is this look if you're in a low pay job or you're on a zero hours contract yeah. you know and you have to quarantine you're literally faced with a choice between financial hardship or putting your health first so the way in which statutory sick pay works and the way in which people get a sick note has to be looked at because if you get us to get a sick note you have to go and see a GP yeah but you're told you've got to self-isolate and you can't go and see yeah. a GP. But it, well, well, there's many people who just simply can't afford to take that time off. I, I, was, well, exactly. I actually raised that with the Health Secretary Matt Hancock only last week. Uh, really appreciate you joining us this morning. Uh, Shadow uh, Health Secretary, Labour MP John Ashworth. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.